This is Sam Bond and you are listening to Tales from the East End. Welcome to another edition of Tales from the East End. We're off to the seaside tomorrow, but before we talk about Bray, we've got lots of interviews this week from quick post-match thoughts after Sligo and Bowles in the League Cup, Milltown memories during our 10k walk, um, we've got chats with former goalkeeper Robbie Horgan, the only man to play at Glenmalore and Tallis Stadium. Now, I'm Gary Parsons, and with me is the Prof Carl Royley, as always. Howdy. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have officially sold out and gone commercial. We now have a sponsor. Uh, I joke, but um, no, we do. We are officially sponsored by Peachtree East. It's a gem of a restaurant. A stone's throw from Tallis Stadium. And uh, I met up with Paul, the main man behind the apron, and he was really supportive and eager to support something Rovers affiliated. So without further ado, here's a word from our sponsors. I've always wanted to say that. Hi, Andy Reid here, ex-Orland International, to tell you about the cracking restaurant open in Tallaght. Peachtree East is just beside the Lewis stop at Tallaght Cross East and is already scoring rave reviews. Open for morning coffee, tasty lunches, exquisite evening dinner and cocktails. Rated number one in TripAdvisor, it's the restaurant Tallaght has been waiting for and the restaurant Dublin deserves. Head to Peachtree East Facebook for more information. So there you are folks, breakfast, brunch, dinner, lunch, cocktails, bakery... The whole lot, and it's ladies' night on a Friday, so let's hope Rovers aren't the only ones scoring. Now, back to football-related things, and uh, we beat Sligo 1-0 at Tala last Friday. Long-range goal by Brandon Mele and our first clean sheet of the season. So, is Brando back? I think so, he's in top form now. I hope so, he's a majestic player on his day, game-changer, which is rare. Um, we actually missed that goal. We're in the 99 suite, and a half-time, and then we heard few minutes after the break the goal had gone in so which is rare for us because we, we, we actually ne- never miss I really second hate half. missing a goal yeah it's, yeah it's very frustrating I actually missed two in a row for the first time ever uh, we'll talk about that in a while we caught up with Ryan Legru and got his thoughts on the game so let's roll that clip um, I thought it was an improvement on Friday obviously the results but I think in the second half we, we um, kind of bust them I don't think they had any chance I don't think a time or much to do and um, I think it wasn't for uh, Schlingerman and goal for Sligo could have been maybe 4 or 5 but yeah it was an improvement and it was, it was the main thing was the result and obviously the clean sheet is a big is a, a big boost as well for Tomer it'll help his confidence obviously playing in front of the defence I wouldn't say the defence in front of him is is uh, too good at the moment so I think all around it was a good 3 points and it's happy for Tomer to get his first clean sheet for the club a good day in general with the walk and the 1899 suite meeting the 4 in players yeah bar getting me uh, stuck soaked on the way up uh, walking in the grass in uh, the wet grass and getting soaked in the town it was a good walk um, it was a good tournament as well all things considering um, I'd say uh, maybe if, if the results hadn't been going better you could have got a few more but overall it, was, it would have been it would have been a uh, overall it was a good day yeah. and obviously the, I went into the 1899 suite as well and I thought the Thought there was a good, thought there was a good, good, good crowd in there, and obviously it was nice to, uh, it was nice to see. Obviously, I, I, obviously I've heard of the players, never seen them play, but it was nice to see some kind of Rovers legends come back and hear about their stories in Milltown. Obviously, I, I wasn't lucky enough to have been there myself, but it was nice to hear some of the stories and uh, the success, the success they had. Hopefully, we can see some here, see some success here in the near future. Yeah, I don't know how that game wasn't four or five nil. Uh, the underside of the bar Soccer Republic says it wasn't a goal but if Peter Collins says it I don't believe a word <laughs> yeah it was two headers wasn't it Burke and Shaw don't know how the ball stayed out uh, I did tip Sean Boyd to score and he rounded Schlingerman with an open goal but he just pushed it too far ahead of himself so yeah he was unlucky um, uh, Schlingerman had the game of his life didn't he he seems to play well against us though he, he's done it a few times he was on fire really was some smashing saves yeah at the end of the first half it was looking wasn't looking so good we weren't playing well but whatever Bradley said at half time definitely did the trick so it was going to be one of those days where we're, we're running the lump they grab a late, a late equaliser and then we're under pressure lumping long balls forward trying to score you know one of those I think we were all nervous because of what had happened against Harps and even balls you know the nervy ending but 
they didn't really tread and they had a disallowed goal but uh didn't actually tread much so we got the first clean sheet i congratulated Tomer afterwards yeah the clean sheet was long overdue uh we have a very good keeper on our hands he's vocal commanding a bit mad which helps uh, I'm, I'm i'm a big fan of him so hopefully uh he keeps up the clean sheets uh, Roberto Lopez had a great game he's a beast of a man at times doesn't seem to have any fear does he no he never backs out of a challenge does he flies into tackles and hopefully he doesn't get injured I mean Russell, Russell could have hurt Russell actually those two cards the first the first tackle sorry not two cards two tackles the first tackle that that could have been a red I mean so he was definitely getting sent off second one was definitely a red after seeing it again yeah so Lopez was back to protecting the back four which does pose the question why was Ronald Finn playing so deep when we had Lopez in that role it baffles me he's like a third centre half at times but in saying that would you prefer him or Brando or Clark in the advanced role further up beside the striker so I mean that's probably what Finn's going to be doing I think that's the role he's going to be he's stuck with this season is taking the ball off the centre half so quite quite a lot more than he's used to you know I will say though he has ran himself ragged most games this season He's he looks very fit he's running uh, he's, he's doing, I'd say he's clocking up the miles uh, the attendance versus Sligo, 2,641, and we're up on 1,466 on our league average attendance from last season at the moment, so it's uh, it's looking good. Fans yeah. seem to be buying into the whole new regime. Yeah, it was 1,680 at Monday's game. So considering like a... 1,680 mid- mid- at the game, yeah. Yeah, so considering it's a midweek league cup game, that's pretty good. It was balls that boosted the figures. And it was a banker as well, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, decent enough uh, attendance. Yeah, I think the fans are finally realising that it's going to take time that to get where we want to go as a club, so they're going to have to buy into the whole thing, you know? Give it time. The eighteen ninety nine suite, it was a great event. Uh, food, beer, live music and rovers. What more could you want? Yeah, it was a great night. I love seeing the foreign role players, as Ryan said there, uh, making Pat Byrne, Paddy Mulligan, Jack and McDonough, Neville Steedman. Uh yeah, I loved hearing the stories. Uh it was great to hear them s- still talk about particular moments in games as well. I mean, how long ago was it? You're talking decades and they still remember particular moments in games and passages of play and it it, it seems like they hold it dear to themselves. So, it's, uh, it was it was really it was really good to see and uh, we we got a program and an old cram newsletter which were up on the walls of Johnny Blues right now. Uh, the program kept me sane and work, and work on Friday night as well so credit to all those involved it was a great addition yeah that program was great value for money wasn't it it was jam packed yeah, it was jam packed with material yeah it was really good once again uh, credit to all involved there is a little issue with the stats I'll just say but uh, it should be fixed in the next issue yeah there was lots of photos memorabilia on the walls around from you know from Glenmuller Park and old jerseys and stuff so that was great to see I love the old jerseys I think I'd, I'd love to see maybe the lifestyle one reissued I, th- I think they're I think they're very cool could, could be a seller and uh, Con Murphy was host and he bitch slapped Heyman Dunphy yes he did over his rightly so as well rightly so yeah I mean uh, Con spoke very well and uh, we were labelled as Nostalgia Freaks by Eamon Dunphy and he came out and said, trust me, we are not the freaks. Uh, what else we got? We have Robert Goggins. I like this now. I love the, I love what he did here. He gave all the players a copy of his four in a row book, which was badly needed if you listen to the show and listen to questions from the East End. So they know the Milltown history. If uh, if Carl had given Sam Bone a copy of Teletime, He'd have known a stadium open in 2009, not 1960. 1960, yeah. what a guess. Where did he come with that figure? I don't know. This is random. He's probably thinking uh, nostalgically, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, hopefully they get a feel for what it really means to play for Rovers, the history. Silverware, the loss of Milltown that everybody has, has gone through. You know, it's it's like we say, we're more than a club. It's a way of life. Uh, the, walk, the walk was great, crack. Uh, apart from everybody who bailed onto the 49 bus when the going got tough, you know who you are. Yeah, it was too much for some. Bottlers, but... Uh, that was after that downpour in Heron Yeah. They just gave up. It was nuts, wasn't it? it was luckily, you had the brolly. It was no we, fun. We were all right. Yeah. Wacker O'Toole was leading the charge at the head of the parade, and uh, we caught up with a few of the Milltown marchers. We had James Cook, Mark Lynch, Peter Madden, and Wacker O'Toole, and also Forky. We'll never die! We'll never die! We'll kick the grave flag flying high! 
Shamako was the melancholy, we'll keep the green flag flying high. We'll never die, we'll never die, we'll keep the green flag flying high. Shamako was the never die, we'll keep the green flag flying high. We're Rovers, we do, oh Rovers, we love you, we love you Rovers, we do, we love you Rovers, we do. We love you Rovers, we do, oh Rovers, we love you, we love you Rovers. Die, 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 go on down the Milton Road, to see McLaughlin's aces, oh lads, you never see us coming, fast as him in the land, you never see us coming, all the lads and lassies smiling upon their faces, going down the Milton Road, to see McLaughlin's aces, oh lads. Now we're here on the 10k walk from Milltown to Tala and we have James Cook with us and James, I'm just wondering what is your fondest memory of Milltown? Well I suppose I was brought uh, in 1979 for the first time and I suppose the fondest memory was just literally, I remember walking up to Milltown Road and my father, my late father saying well look at this is not like match today and it's a small little ground and he had me warm, warned about it but I walked in the, the gates up the stone steps, stood at the top I looked down and thought it was the most magical thing I'd ever seen in the world. You fell in love. Fell in love. It was love at first sight and uh, you just had this sense of belonging then because it's something I never experienced before. Like you, as a kid you you know, you support your English teams or whatever, you think you support them. But then you go to somewhere like Milltown and you, you, you have this sense of belonging and uh, yeah it, as I said it was love at first sight it was 79 and uh, you know it wasn't the greatest time for the club things weren't fantastic on the pitch but in a few short years then uh, Jim McLaughlin came along and the four in a row came along so I was very very lucky I classif classified myself as being extremely extremely lucky to A have seen uh, such a fantastic place as Milltown and be to see the success the four in a row. And uh, we've had some uh, some heated debates on our all-time eleven from uh, Rovers in general. Yeah. Justin Mason had one. Who was your favourite player from uh, the four in a row? Oh, Pat Bourne, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, hands down, Pat Bourne. He was just he was incredible. He was uh, the ultimate midfielder. He was uh, you know the ultimate leader, the ultimate captain, and he was just uh, sheer quality. And uh, you know he, he was he was just to me he was different class. But there was there was various other players as well. But for for me, Pat Bourne was. He was my favourite player. I'm here with Mark Lynch on the Milltown Tourty Walk to Tala and we're just trying to get a couple of memories from himself. So what's your fondest memory of uh, Milltown, Mark? Uh, fondest uh, match memory was the uh, was the Rovers Celtic match in 86, the European Cup first round game. Unfortunately we were beaten, but we were more than in that game for the Should whole night. Them, yeah? yeah. Yeah, and they knew it too and their support knew it and but it was probably the only time I was in Milltown where you had the place absolutely packed where you walked pretty much the route we're walking now in reverse. I would have walked there from Tala to Milltown because I lived in Millbrook Lawns in Tala. And you do the walk? Well, we'd walk to the games, yeah. So, walking in reverse of what we're doing now, I remember at this point at the dropping well, I'd seen loads of hundreds of uh, Celtic fans, mainly from Northern Ireland, slagging us. And was, it, was, the, was the atmosphere okay? Was, it was a bit of banter, it wasn't? Yeah, no, it was all good natured, you know. Banks of cans of tenants <laughs> everywhere. And uh, it was good natured, the whole thing. But look, we, we, uh, we, we uh, Peter Grant, I think, scored a winner for them. But it was a great experience the whole night. It was a real football night. But um, slightly younger memories uh, going in in the first, first few times, being brought there by an uncle of mine. Just where he's, he sat in the stand at the corner flag where the players exited from the dressing rooms and the smell of wintergreen and the whole sort of... It's still the whole, like just like yesterday, smell still it like, remember. Exactly, exactly. And they're, they're the sort of memories that I think have been recalled fondly on social media all this week. And what about your favourite player of the Milltown era? This one has been a hot topic yeah. all week. Uh, and I listened to your... Fantastic podcast this week, and Justin struggled yeah. on a number of positions. Uh, fellow I most enjoyed watching, funnily enough, was Harry Kenny. Uh, just, just had so a conversation about him last night. About he, apparently he was a smashing rifle. Absolutely, a couple yeah, of the elder lads in work were really, really complimentary. So composed and just, you know, it seems so calm. And then a funny bit, obviously, these are your heroes, and then 
I do remember going into Lifestyle and there's Harry Kenny working in the shop. Yeah. I do remember I went to Sing Street. As a secondary school and John Cody would be cycling his post bike around. And that's your hero just walking on by you? Exactly, so that's how uh, that's how we rolled, I suppose. But now Harry Kenny for for uh, for just that that, that reason um, and but look we had loads of stars in that team. Pat Bourne obviously was majestic. Uh, Noel Larkin, Mick Bourne, Alan Campbell, I would only started when that they so might just rattle them off. Yeah, 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 Jesus, I, sound, I feel like an old man, sound like an old man now, but uh, look, we've got new memories to come as well. We, uh, we're building something really big now, as, as hopefully everyone is aware of and, and buying into this thing we know from everyone we speak to in football, other clubs, and I'm talking not Irish clubs, I'm talking Southamptons of this world, the FAI, other coaches. They know what's happening at Rovers, the schoolboy club see what's happening at Rovers. I uh, there at the Rolls Stone yesterday and it's really, really impressive. Well wait and you see phase two. Knock oh, your socks off. It's 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 absolutely all gonna be done properly and understand great testament to all involved. All the coaches, all the kids, their parents, all the players and all the club members and supporters who've helped make it happen. Now we're back walking again and we're at the Milltown Torty 10k walk to Tala and I have Peter Madden here. Peter, what is your fondest memory of Milltown? Uh, well, a lot of fond memories. But I started going in 77 after Giles came back. A friend of mine uh, who's a member of Rovers too, his dad brought us along. And was there much hype around the arrival of Giles at the time? Was there was. It a big there, thing? there was. There was big hype because uh, Giles brought back the likes of Tracy, Dunphy, Paddy Mulligan. Uh, and added to with some of the good young players that we had. So there was a lot of hype at the time and everybody sat up and watched because yeah. uh, it was something new to have uh, superstars like superstars. that. Superstars. Like around the same time then, Pats brought Gordon Banks in for a few games, Waterford brought in Bobby Charlton, you had a load of kind of uh, Bobby Tambling was playing, yeah, yeah. you had a load of players coming back from or coming over from England just for a few. Uh, a few weeks or a few months, but the Rovers lads were, they were Irish and they'd come back over. Um, my favourite memories in Milltown, uh, a lot of them, but uh, one, uh, it was a 1-1 draw against uh, Liverpool. It was the week after Ronnie Whelan didn't play for Ireland because he went and had his, fling, his finger operated on. Okay. And he got awful grief. He played in that game. He got awful grief from the Rovers fans. Yeah. Uh, and then Liverpool went 1-0 up. And then in about the 89th minute or something, Liam Buckley kind of rose. I'd say it was about three metres high into the air and headed the ball past, I think it was Grobbler at the time in goals. We Not just sure. had a conversation last night, a couple of Rovers fans, about the elder lads were saying how good he was in the air was he really was, Buckley he, really was fantastic he was I mean he's, he's not a very tall man we had he, a leap he's like Kevin Keegan kind of he, he just timed that leap and he, he'd out jump a six foot three six yeah. foot four center half um, and what about uh, we've we've had a hot topic this week when it came to all-time Rovers 11th and we had just a Mason on the show talking about his one who would be your first name on the team chief your all-time Rovers 11th uh, first name, okay. Everybody will throw out the Buckleys, the Campbells, the uh, yeah, the Burns, etc. For me, uh, it started right at the back. Uh, Alan O'Neill in goals for yeah. Rovers was just magic, and he was a real fan favourite. We're very sorry when he left, but Alan O'Neill would be the first one I'd say. Uh, there were lots of others. I mean, one of my favourites in Milltown in the first year or so under Giles was a guy called Stevie Linex. Uh Stevie was a Fairly big man, but he's a really pacey uh, and tough uh, winger. I think he played with West Brom under Giles before Giles came back. So these would have been relatively famous enough players coming back from England to play for Rovers. Yeah, well, I mean, Giles came when Giles came back. He was uh, he'd just been player manager for West Brom in the first division in England, as it was then. Uh, he'd been player manager for Ireland. Um, and then he was obviously uh, also managing Philadelphia Fury. So it was big and news. Big it news. was very big news, yeah. And were you there on the last day in Milltown? I wasn't. I was already living in Germany at that stage. I was a, already a season ticket holder in VfB Stuttgart. In Stuttgart. Uh, oh, so uh, I, when I was living in Germany, I used to get the 
Monday morning Irish Times and Irish Press sent over a, week, a subscription getting right. that, that weekly edition. So I had all the, the papers and things. Uh, you had your ears to the ground day. anyway. Oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously no social media then. It was just a good old-fashioned print media <laughs> yeah. at the time. But uh, yeah, no, Milltown was great. Uh, obviously kind of 22 years of sometimes hell on the road, not having a home. But like when we moved back to Tala in 2009, it started something that's really only still getting going. I mean, I think. Yeah, I think fans need to realise that as well. There's, we need we need to have patience. I mean, we're building something big here. That's the way I feel. So, yeah. we really need to be patient. You, you could say we were spoiled by uh, having three kind of brilliant opening seasons under uh, Michael O'Neill, finishing second in the league and then winning it twice, and then obviously 2011 with uh, Europa League groups. Yeah. But uh, I mean. Success normally doesn't come overnight, and there it actually did. We had Twig, we had a lot of you know, Twig and Desi Baker and people. But uh, I think, okay, I think the pace of things slowed down a bit. But now, when you look what's happened off the pitch, I mean, the whole academy structure we've all been talking about for the last while. Uh, very impressive. We were up there yesterday. It's very, very impressive. Yeah, it's going it to be is. big. Right. Yeah. Now I'm here at Wacker Hotel and we're, he's approaching his 20th kilometre now because he walked from Tallet to Milltown, now Milltown back to Tallet. Wacker, what's your fondest memory of Glenmore Park? Uh, fondest memories would have to be a Sunday afternoon we'd all uh, meet down at, Har down, down at uh, Sundrive Road. We'd all knock in for each other and we'd walk up, we'd walk from Crumlin up through um, Ratcar and Orwell and down into Dartry and up into Milltown. Um, never a fear of anybody else coming out. Big gang of uh, Big gang of us, big gang of us. We looked after each other and uh, this day, 30 years later, we're still looking after each other crumbling hoops. We were uh, talking about our favourite players of all time and it's been discussed this week about best starting 11s. What would your number one name be on your first 11? Your all time Rovers 11. <laughs> It'd have to be Derek Tracy, wouldn't it? Derek Tracy. It'd have to be Derek, yeah. Joe's got in trouble for not putting them in. We had to edit the show and show them in. So Derek, yeah. one. For, for, for me, um, it, it was more a personal thing with Derek that he did outside of the club and other clubs were looking for him. And we were down uh, down on our knees and we were hurting. And he could have walked like he a lot of other clubs did. He he stuck with us. He saw it too t uh, thick and thin. Like it's rare so nowadays. It is rare. It is rare. You know, a lot of mercenaries, many go around there. Uh, players and the whole lot have not have no commitment to clubs. But Derek stuck by his guns. You know, so. so go on, give us a prediction for tonight. Oh, 3 nil, 3 nil, 3 nil, 3 nil, 3 nil, and ring him with. <laughs> now we're just approaching Tallis Stadium, and we're here with Forky, the head of the Ultras, could I say? I uh, know, not not for a long time. Not for a long time, but um, you said you were in Milltown once, but have you got any memories at all of it? Yeah, it was freezing cold that night, it was there. Uh, middle of December, it was a game against Shells, 1985. It was nil all, I was only around 8 years old at the time, so... I was just more interested in running around the place and everything. That started I the love affair, though. Yeah, well, I remember the bar under the ground as well. You, know. you remember the bar? My dad, was, yeah. <laughs> my dad brought me in there so he could have a point, you know. Uh, and you were left here on the voices. No, no, I went in. I got loads of club orange and crisps as he did back in the day, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was Baltic cold. I remember, and I never made it back after that, you know, because it moved out shortly after. And um, my dad said he wasn't bringing me over the north side, so yeah, that was that. So when we got back to the RDS, then I was back as a Rovers fan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some great interviews and memories from from the lads there. Yeah, Wacker was right about being ringing wet. Anyway, yeah, you could say that much, man. Well, we were absolutely soaked to the car, but the the beer and the food made up for it in the eighteen ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, now we move on to the Monday, and we beat balls three one in the second round of the League Cup at Tala. Darren Meenan scoring his first goal for the club. Just a few minutes into the game, which we missed. Well, I, me and my son missed, literally two minutes late. Yeah, I did see that one. The, the goal had just gone in, so we saw the celebration. That was about it. <laughs> And another brace by Brando. Like I said earlier, I pray we have the old Brando back. His second goal was beautiful. Stroked into the top corner. Yeah. It's that's that's the Brando we need. And and that's him playing on the left as well. So if you notice he was his, his both, both his goals came from a central position. He didn't cut in from the left. He made a deep run for the first goal. But um once again he came from a central position for the second goal, stroked it home. So hopefully Brando is back. Bowles looked like they rested a few first team players. Um, their small number four, Fudd Sule, he looked like a lost child at times. He was that small, didn't he? I still think he's not the smallest player to ever play in Tallow. I'm going to give that to Kelvin Jackson. I'm, do you know what I remember? Player from Ghana. I worked with his dad, actually. Yeah, he, he was tiny. 
Yeah, he was tiny. I think last I heard he was playing non-league in England. I'm not too sure. But definitely he was playing that, but that was a while ago. Um, yeah, no, I think that that young guy, Sula, he was just overrun by our superior midfield, wasn't it? It was a good display by our lads in the middle. As we were getting our ticket, there was, uh, there was now a lad giving out about the prices of the <laughs> tickets. And I said it to the guy selling the tickets. I said, what's that about? He said, your man's giving out about the price of tickets. They're the same for the last 10 years. He's, he's the same argument yeah. every time he buys a ticket. I think we actually lowered kids' prices as well in the last few years, didn't we? There's always a little moan about these cup games, where it'd be kick-off time or prices or whatever, but... They are with the air. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, that's you know what you're getting into following. Rollins. I'm all for lowering the Leicester Senior Cup to a tenner now, but other than that, I, yeah, I I'm really, really sure it used to be seven euro to get in for kids, so we've lowered that. You know, now there was also a minute's applause for uh, Stephen Lynch. Picture of Bradzer hugging his father, Danny. It was a very emotional moment. Stephen was brutally murdered in Tala, as you know, and uh, like you said, Rose is our family, and we will do all we can to support the family in their time of need. So, um. Yeah, there's actually a GoFundMe for Stephen called uh, Support for Stephen. So hopefully people listening can donate whatever they can for his family because it's absolutely heartbreaking what happened. Yeah, here at Tales from the East End, we will be donating uh, a, a sum of cash towards that. So everybody, hopefully we can follow suit with that. Now we got a quick post-game interview with Paul Thomas or Kempes on the forum and... Uh, he hadn't heard of the podcast, so hopefully we have a new listener. Now we just got his thoughts after the Bowls game. At the end of the second round, the A Sports Cup, 3-1 win. Uh, Ken Pez from the forum, what, what do you think of that? I thought we played well, I thought in the first half we, we controlled the ball well. Bowls never looked that threatening really. They nicked one goal against the run of play and did it come to a win in the end. And I'm happy with the, the starting football we played throughout the game. It's quite a poor Bowls team, isn't it? It seems like quite a young team and not many players we really know that well but uh, I thought our Rovers kept pushing and pressing all the way right to the end it was good to see It's uh, good to see Brando back on the score sheet do you think he's going to start going to run a form now? Yeah hopefully he will now it's three goals in a couple of weeks so hopefully he kicks off from here no reason why he can't I like how you address him there Kempes from the farm. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know his name. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I knew. Kempes from the farm. He, he said, "Yeah, that's me." <laughs> Do you know who uh, that that was based on? That username. Uh, Mario Kempes. Well, it was ba- he based on a, a former Rawers player called Kempes Carbali. Oh, we didn't know. In the nineties, yeah. So Carbali, he was born on the day of the nineteen seventy eight World Cup final. Okay. So his dad was watching the game on TV. Arrived late to the hospital <laughs> with a name ready. Kempes, the Argentinian star did not. of that game. Yeah, that's what happened. Ah, that's cool. I yeah. never heard that. And how long did he did he have did he play much for Rovers? I think uh, one or two seasons at least. Yeah. And now we're going to move on to some Brandon Mille stats. Hopefully, Brandon's listening, and this will reinvigorate him even more, and he'll uh, go on and spur us on to victory against Bray. So we have twenty-seven goals and seventy-nine appearances for Brando, which is a brilliant return for a midfielder. Let's be honest. Yeah, it is a great record. And that's with a, let's be honest, a poor season last season. Mm-hmm. Um, he scored, this is a great stat, I love this one. Um, he scored the most goals, no sorry, not this one, I think it's the, the next stat is, is the most intriguing one for me, but the, he scored the most goals under Stephen Bradley, so he is Bradley's most prolific player. That's nine. Yep. Nine goals. And since Milltown, this is a great one, only Trevor Malloy, Billy Boy, has more goals against Bowles than Brando. And Brando has five goals. And so Brando has the same amount of goals versus Bowles as God himself, Gary Twig. Yeah, five each. How about that? And Malloy has six, yeah. So uh, Brando has the same amount of goals as God himself. Like I said, let's hope Brando is back. We should get that hashtag mm-hmm. trending. Brando is back. Yeah. You almost got a third in that Bowles game. You almost got the hat-trick. It would have been the first Rawers player to get a hat-trick against Bowles since Peter Mumby. In 1989. Peter Mumby in 1989. Anyone yeah. remembers that? Anyone at the game? Write on our page and tell us all about it. Well, Joe's definitely remembers. He mentioned it in the interview. Joe's remembers everything. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. uh, we had a mini pitch invasion. It wasn't really an invasion. It was more like a game of Bulldogs charged down the side of the pitch, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, none of them were over 12 years old. No, I mean, but it's good to see the young guys getting involved with Rovers. Let's hope they don't do, don't do it again. We don't get fined, but uh, it's great to see so many young lads at the game. There was a, there was a serious amount of them. So. Our little section in the East End, it's noticeably It's been infiltrated, hasn't it? Over the last six months or so. Yeah. 
a lot of young people around us now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's looking good. And uh, I didn't actually hear this, but there was an announcement at the end of the game. It came over the Rowers PA and it said, just a reminder to fans of the losing team to remain in their seats for 10 minutes. The losing team? Ooh, I didn't hear that. That's yeah. a, a... Do you know what? I read something online, actually, I think on Facebook, that one of their fans approached the PA guy. Yeah. Is that true? Well, apparently, yeah. I'd say so. They were going mad about it on Jippo Web. Jippo Webs, that's still going. Yeah. Uh, big day for Rovers and a big day for Luke Bourne. Uh, he's back. Lukey is back finally. Now I really rate Lukey. As if if you listen to the show, you'd you'd probably know that I I fancy him as a third centre half or centre half in general. But um, ever since he busted against us for balls at centre half, I think he was a teenager then. It's been a long, hard road for Lukey, and uh, it can affect you mentally, especially after a horrible injury like that. You know, there was a 50-50 over at the West Stand. He absolutely flew into it. So, I mean, there's no fear there anyway. So, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it doesn't affect him mentally as well, which is half the battle. He said he dreamt of that moment every day for the last 12 months. Yeah, I'm delighted for him. Uh, he's very different to Trev at fullback. Uh, Trev likes to take players on and stay wide. Lukey sees the space and cuts in a little bit more centrally and he moves into that space. He's a smart footballer, so I'm really happy Lukey is back and he can fulfil his potential, you know, stays injury free. So the question I'm wondering is, can Lukey and Trevor play in the same team? Cause I, it's, cause I think it, so. Because it's going to be either Lukey in a back four and Trev moves to the left wing or Luke as part of a back three and Trev stays where he is as a wing back. What, what do you do? I mean, that's that's the... The choice Brad's had to make, keep it with three at the back. I think Luke would be brilliant in a in a three man defence. But he like he played very well at full back the other night and then you'd have him supporting Trev getting forward. It's a tough choice to make. Now we had some um, cameos from Sean Boyd and Mikey O'Connor. I thought Sean had a moment of magic on the right wing. The defender it was left for dead with a piece of skill. He cuts in very well from that side. That's that's one thing I've noticed in, in games. He's cut in from that and he's created chances. It hasn't got an assist, but He's cut in from that side and Dunster uh, has pointed out that he played there a few times for the 19s and our good pal Mikey O'Connor, friend of Tales from the East End now, mm-hmm. uh, superb cameo. He took the yeah. ball out of the sky with his chest at one stage and it was a thing of beauty. It was it was amazing and every, everything he's, he done seemed to, to to pull off. I hope he gets more game time. So. I have to apologise for besmirching the good name of Mikey O'Connor after saying that he kicked a Finn Harris player. Yeah, he, 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 he denied that big time, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. He wouldn't do a thing like that now, would he? No. Now, some people being overly critical <clears throat> of Sean Boyd, in my opinion. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. This, it's it's I mean, crazy. He just had a shoulder operation. He's not quite where he was at last season. But, I mean, he's got a lot more competition up front now. Ah, uh, yeah. It's, it's very stiff. Still a young player. Yeah, when he gets going as well, when he does attack players and get on, on the front foot, he's, he's very dangerous. So, I'm... People have to lay off him. But Mikey's actually been a great impact sub recently. Uh, he set up the goal against Harps for Madden. Set up a goal the other night. So, mm. yeah. Uh, good to see Kevin Horgan making his first appearance for the club. First competitive appearance. First start. Yeah, yeah debut. Uh, doesn't seem to have a nick at times, but um, he's got this hunched posture. You know, it's it's uh, it's kind of strange at times. But if you look at the way Daryl Horgan runs, it's kind of similar. Kind of that hunched posture, so it runs yeah. in the family, maybe. Yeah, I interviewed him after the game. Uh, he was delighted to make his debut. Really, really nice guy. Yeah, I wouldn't say he was expecting the interview, to be honest. Yeah, no, he seemed to appreciate it. No uh, James doing it, though. No, I think people were surprised with that. Me too, we always like James. I mean, Horgan and Byrne, we called that ages ago. We knew those two were going to play in that League Cup game. I didn't. I, I, I was adamant that Horgan wasn't going to play. I didn't think right. he would have took a chance against Bowes. You know, not not doubting the guy at all. It's just I didn't think he'd take the chance. Okay. Well, I called it. Oh, well done, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I like the look of James doing it. I think he's very confident on the ball. He's a silky type of luxury player, but he gets stuck in as well. Uh, Shane Haney came off the bench. That was his first appearance of the season as well. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, fullback. Didn't have too much time to pitch to him. But. Another, another thing about uh, Mikey O'Connor as well, I mean, we actually haven't seen much of him. So it's kind of very hard to get a, ju- to get a judge of, of the type of player he is. I mean, he started against Dundalk. That was his only start, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. And other than that, it's so we can't really judge the guy yet. I mean, it's he hasn't really had a chance, let's be honest. Hmm. But what we have seen, I'm impressed. So you wanted to talk about uh, Sammy Bones Jones in defence. Is that his nickname now? I have to think of something, won't we? 
Bonesy, we'll go with Bonesy. You need to work on a nickname for yourself first. Yeah, then, no, then that's, get that's Sam dying of death. Is it? Had the kids trying it out. No, it's terrible. They were just taking the piss out of me all day. So, <laughs> yeah, we go for Bonesy. Yeah, funny enough, you and I went to Rosestone just before that uh, Sligo game. And I asked Sam, had you ever played in defence before you came to Roars? And he said no. I and was then, shocked. And then 24 hours later, there he was. I was eavesdropping on that. I was shocked. He said never, didn't he? Yeah, and there he was coming on for... Um, Dan Devine for the last 10 minutes or so against Sligo and then he played the full game I the thought that was risky against, uh, bringing uh, him on against Sligo I thought he could have dropped Lopez back in and put Sam Bone in front of the, the centre halves he was actually very composed against he was Bones, wasn't he? yeah I thought he was he was good in the air he's a good passer but he's a good touch he could, be, he could be a smashing player when he gets fully fully fit you know I don't he's 100% fit but I, I think he could be a player and uh we were we were just touching on Roadstone there and uh, we got the tour the tours day before the march and the Sligo game and it really is impressive it's a great setup. Steve McPhail showed us and some journals around so we were we were like yeah. celebrities for the day you could actually see me on Soccer Republic for one second actually yeah yeah, yeah. We, we looked very cool I have to say yeah uh, members of the press yeah <laughs> uh, Steve was a gentleman as always and uh, I'm calling it now in 10 years I know 10 years is a long time but we will be churning now players to be the band internationals like we currently are but tenfold and I'm telling you now we will dominate Irish football again you're going to listen to this in 10 years and you're going to say Gary was right he, he could even be manager if this show goes 10 years I, that's, I'd be impressed with that alone oh, that's our long term plan isn't yeah. it? <laughs> but uh, it is a long time but Rome wasn't built in a day lads so that's where we did the questions from the East End remember we couldn't talk about it last week because yeah. we did it so late but that's where Sam didn't know the capital of Malaysia. Yeah. The country he was born in. And you were born there, Sammy. Yeah. You had to get the trivia book out, pal. But he, he declared for the England national team, so I got that exclusive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's officially available yeah. for selection. Wait, uh, no, it's not like Jack Grealish or anything. They just Garrett Southgate being the dec- stance. Declared straight away. Um, We'll have to ask Pico, does he fancy a game for Kev Verde when we get him on questions? Yeah, I will be asking him that, yeah. So here is a quick update of our scoreboard from questions from the East End. We have Dave McAllister at 7.5. That that could be uh, debated, couldn't it? Tomer won't be happy. Well, Tomer actually lodged a protest about that. He says no half points. Right. So, so I promised him a playoff if no one gets eight or higher. Okay. I felt gonna... bad, you know. Yeah, so we have Tomer on seven. Graham Bork on six. Gary Shaw on five. Sean Boyd on 4.5. Trevor Clark on four and Sam Bone on a measly three. Just Sam Bone's getting a bit of stick this week, isn't he? Uh, so up next we have Robbie Horgan, the only man to have played in Milltown and Tala, and Carl uh, caught up with him at the 1899 suite. Okay, we're here with former Shamrock Rovers goalkeeper Robbie Horgan. So Robbie, I'll start off with what was your favourite moment or your favourite memories in your Rovers career? Oh, well, probably the the first year I spent 11 years with Rovers altogether, but definitely the first year, which was the last year in Milltown, you know. And as a 18 year old playing with Talk Rovers for schoolboy football, um, Liam Bryan, who was the reserve team manager at um, Shamrock Rovers, um, had a look at me, brought me up, and um, to go into the which was the Trina Road team at that stage, you know, and be part of that with fantastic players. Uh, not just in the force team but great players that in the reserve team as well that went on and had big careers actually a few names here uh, yeah John Toll John Nolan yeah. guys like that, that would Alan Matthews John Glenn yeah, yeah yeah so big names that obviously went on later on but the squad that was there the force team squad that was there was the likes of Pat Bourne you know Kevin Brady Harry Kenny Paul Doolan Jody Bourne you know, Mick Bourne and uh, Noel Larkin, uh, I could go on and on. And um, it was just fantastic as an 18 year old to go into that situation. And I was probably lucky because as the reserve goalkeeper, I got to train with the force team all the time, you know. So um, I was blessed. And I, that, that year made the 30 years I had in League of Ireland then, you know. I don't, I'm not quite sure if I didn't have that year behind me. Um, and special memories, first, first game back then was against Celtic. Um, and back in them days, you didn't have keepers on the bench for your your league games, but you did in European. You were allowed five subs. So, as an 18-year-old walking out into Milltown playing against Celtic for the very first game, um, you know that will live with me for always. And uh, most people know the last game Milltown as the one all with Sligo in the 
Cup semi-final second leg but uh, there was a B game a B division title game yeah. right at the very end there and you played in it yes um, there might have even been one or two B league games after that as well because I think it went on to nearly late April early May you know so there was a couple of games after that final game against Sligo um, and again the, the, the reserve team back then won the um, cha- won the league and they won the cup. I think it could have been the Black Thorn Cup or something like that at the time, you know. So, um, as I said, just special memories. But the whole place itself, you know, um, for the team to do four in a row, nearly doing it in both league and cup, you know, uh, getting the four finals in the cup as well, was just a phenomenal achievement. And I suppose only Dundalk possibly this year are the only ones that may even get close to that you know obviously they've won three which is fair play to them but that side was special back then at Shamrock Rovers you know and um, God only knows if they had to stay at Milltown what more they could have done you know so if we can skip forward uh, 22 years you're a goalkeeping coach at Sporting Fingal and Rovers are in Tata then and you actually play at Tala Stadium. You can be the only man to play at Milltown and Tala. Yeah. How did it come about? Um, I fixed it. <laughs> no, um, I know. I was obviously only 18 when I was at Milltown, you know, so I was very young. And um, obviously, they went when, when, when Rovers left Milltown, they went through their nomad years, and which I was a big part of as well, you know. So eventually, when they got back to Tala, um, I was assistant manager at Sporting Fingal, but I was also running the A Championship team, as it was called at that time, you know. But I was still registered as a as a player at the ripe old age of getting very close to the 40 at that stage, you know. So, um, yeah, we were playing a reserve game up in Tala, thank God. And um, I just said with five minutes to go, I know nobody will beat this record, you know. So uh, I, you knew exactly I, what you were doing. I so. knew exactly what I was doing, you know. So it was only for five minutes, so we were safe. I didn't concede that in them five minutes, but. Uh, yeah, it was great, great feeling to do. To like, this is the biggest club in Ireland by a long way, and um, to be part of that history or make a little bit of history is always a good thing to have as well. So you'll always be a pub quiz question now. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think probably the the, the real Rover supporters will know it offhand, but maybe the other ones that you know uh, outside of Rovers might struggle a little bit with it. Uh, I'll throw one random memory at you. Uh, the opening game of ninety five, ninety six at the RDS. Uh, Ray Tracy's manager he actually threw you on up front yeah I was saying earlier on back in the you know compared to now when you're allowed nearly five or seven subs sometimes you know and in internationals you're allowed nearly 11 subs and two of them can be goalkeepers back in the day you know you're allowed two subs and that was never a goalkeeper so um, the rules changed as the years went along and I remember in that game uh, it became normal then that you'd have two subs and then one outfield go- it had to be an outf- it had to be a goalkeeper sorry as well as the two outfield subs so um yeah we were playing Drada one of my other former clubs and the game was nil all and we put our two subs on and very close to where the dugouts were uh, Terry Everson I remember a bad tackle on Terry and rolled over thought nothing of it all the time you know but Terry had to come off you know and I think everybody's looking around going what happens next you know we didn't even know if we were allowed but another player on considering it was a goalkeeper so uh, it was a quick change of nicks because I had a different colour pair of nicks on than the, the rest of the team and uh, a, a different jersey and um, yeah came on for about 12-15 minutes I think you nearly made a goal too yeah well yeah I was hoping somebody might have that on video but I've never yeah. seen it <laughs> um, yeah just a ball came down the right and um, I just cut back in swung one over I always fancied myself as a bit of an outfield player anyway but um, swung one over and I can't remember who it was that headed it but it didn't go too far wide or the keeper made a very good save one or the other you know but I think going back into the dressing room afterwards in the RDS and uh, Ray Tracy was saying uh, the game finished nil all and Ray said what uh, was going through his after match speech and um, he just said Robbie well done fair play to you for getting out there he says just one question he says where exactly were you playing you know and uh, I suppose I was like a schoolboy, and I was just running after the ball as much as possible and trying to make an impact but yeah another memory you work with some great goalkeepers like uh, Jody Byrne and Tony O'Dell who would be the standout um, oh there's a question um yeah, Jody Bourne, I always felt I was following in Jody's footsteps, not just at Shamrock Rovers, but at Shelbourne as well. 
I thought a very underrated goalkeeper but a very very good goalkeeper um, many league titles behind his name excellent great worker in training as well uh, also was very lucky to work with Anne O'Neill too you know and Anne O'Neill's time at Shamrock Rovers as well um, and when I say I was very lucky to work with him it was very hard to get into the team with these guys playing these were top top goalkeepers you know so like um, you know uh, I'd probably be a little bit old school but Alan and, and Jody were great to work with and uh, Diddy Lowry coaching us as well at the time too and um, it was just again special moments uh, when we were trying to get to Tala like when it got to maybe 2003 and Liam Buckley was a manager and they were saying we're going to get to Tala any day now eventually were you thinking is this ever going to happen yeah, there was times, like I, I remember a, a team photo, um, not with Liam, but with Damien Richardson, taken outside at the ground, you know, and um, it was coming up to be 10th, 11th year, then back with the club, I spent two years, um, one in Milltown and one when we went to Talca Park the following year, and then I came back um, to Rovers for a nine-year spell, and you're always hoping and thinking, you know, because it was within touching distance and uh, it would have been lovely to play back then, you know, but um, it just didn't happen and they were the circumstances, you know, and uh, I'm a fair believer everything happens for a reason, but I had to work on getting on to the next stage of my career as well and, and trying to play as much as possible too, you know, competition was always tight amongst goalkeepers, you know, I think... I probably made about 115, 120 appearances for Rovers over that spell, you know. So uh, I'd like to play more, but again, to play for this club, no matter how many minutes you play for it, uh, at whichever level, whether it's reserve or first team or whatever else, was a, a, a total privilege, you know. And um, to get that opportunity come down the line again of just getting the chance to play in Tala, well, you can understand why I took it. <laughs> and then Docker going for the four in a row now. And the actual beginning of this, if it's going to be four in a row, was your first game in charge of Jolly, and you beat Stephen Kenny's side 4 1. Yeah. Yeah, if I meet Stephen again, I'll, that did him more favours. Short term, it did me great favours. Long term, it's done him uh, no harm at all. Look, he's done a fantastic job up there, but. Yeah, I got my opportunity to uh, manage, which I've always wanted to do. I've completed my pro licence, and uh, it was the kind of progression for me to go as a player, goalkeeping coach, assistant manager into management, and you know, draw the, I'd spent seven years with as well as a as a player and coach, and um, to get the opportunity to manage was a fantastic opportunity. And on the first night of your managerial career, to have a loud derby and obviously not knowing what was going to happen down the line um, to beat Dundalk 4-1 was great bragging rights for the for the team and um, you know we went on a good little run there for about for seven games unbeaten you know we were top of the table for a couple of weeks as well and um, yeah just we, we, we you know you learn as you go along especially as a coach and a manager and you have to learn from the you know the, the good bits and the bad bits so to speak you know so um, we just went on a bad run and um, you know we only won one in the next 10 then after that and that obviously wasn't acceptable and I understand that as a as a manager now you know but Stephen Kenny you know as I said uh, what his team went on to do win the league that that year and uh, go on and win it now three times and um, you know difficult for him I think to win it this year you know I think Cork look very very strong so um, but it'll be interesting to see lots of football still to be played How is your current side now Jada Town getting on? Yeah um, I mean it's Leinster Senior League uh, they're great people up in the club uh, Mick Toner the chairman um, we brought in some uh, ex-League of Ireland players that would have been playing at under 19 level so it's a very young set up um, but they have a great set up up in Jada Town um, I, I, it's good to be able to comment it's kind of gone the opposite way to was a draw you know, because we didn't start the season off very well we were leaking goals but in the last seven games now we've won six out of the last seven what's more pleasing to me is in the last four games we've kept clean sheets in all four you know so as a goalkeeper I know how important that is but it gives great morale and confidence to the team as well you know so uh, uh, Gary O'Neill still there? No Gary um, no left at the end of last season you know but um, we never say never you know there's still a lot of football left Gary as well. Now that was Robbie. Uh, he spoke about that Celtic game, which is fondly remembered by Rovers fans. Mark touched on it as well in his interview about the one nil loss. Uh, Rovers fans were aggrieved by that one. Sh- should have been a should have been a win. Yeah, no, it was great to hear from Robbie. Uh, apparently, he was thrown on up front before. 
and uh, as a goalkeeper so that's it yeah, throw, was, throw the big man on I was dying to ask him about that he was, he was hoping for footage but uh, don't think any exists <laughs> yeah. now in other news we have Dean Dillon called up to the Ireland under 18 squad in Slovakia next week so that's the Slovakia Cup congratulations to young Dean I noticed the uh, under 18's manager is Jim Crawford oh yeah former Rovers interim manager we have another call up in young Gavin Bazunu he got called up to the under 15's Ireland squad and they will be playing games in Prague, so uh, uh, enjoy enjoy that, young man. It's uh, it's going to be an experience for you. Uh, we have a couple of TV notes now. Rovers were a question on Tipping Point uh, quiz show the other day, so we've officially made it. And Hooplicons have gone global. They appeared in a Spanish TV show for some reason. I wonder, did we inadvertently bring them out of retirement by playing their song we a few have, weeks yeah. back? It's totally random, isn't it? Yeah. Spanish TV show, how did they even pull that? I don't know. Uh, we could get them on we could get them down Johnny Blues for an exclusive uh, let's not go nuts now <laughs> Stephen Kenny and uh, John Caulfield are going to have a straightener at the back of the bike shed later and the winner gets the losers pogs <laughs> so uh, I told you John Caulfield had no class sectarian abuse now this type of guy is he eh? I think uh, Johnson Gabay is loving this anyway because he did suggest that the, the managers have a go at each other in the media constantly and uh, even it's if it's manufactured it? so yeah nice manufactured <laughs> <laughs> fake news yeah so it was funny that uh, Stephen Kenny was complaining about not getting any penalties oh he's such a whinge isn't he and then he conceded two penalties to Braves that was a bit of twist, when things twist aren't going his way he's, he's yeah no he's an awful whinge when things don't go his way but it was funny to um, to see, see Kilduff Mr. Penno after he'd been given out about penalties isn't it? yeah it's Murphy's Law isn't it now we're going to move on to one of my favourite parts of the show. It's Carl's stats. Now we um, have won back-to-back games for the first time since September. First time since September we've won back-to-back games. It's not good. We're always now looking for successive league wins for the first time since August. Uh, the Hoops are unbeaten in 17 games against Bray since a 1-0 defeat at the Carlisle Grounds in May 2011. Yeah, six years. Um, neither side have drawn a league game since a scoreless draw in their meeting at Tala last October keeping just one clean sheet each since <laughs> one clean jeez it's going to be goals tomorrow do you know what knowing, knowing that's that the game be nil all yeah Bray have scored 20 you can see the 15 pretty bizarre record but Bray's Gary McCabe is the league's top scorer on 9 with 3 penalties in that tally uh, his best ever league tally was 10 goals at Rovers last season and he had 5 penalties in that so he's nearly topping his season best already and we're not even a series in. Yeah, in fairness, he had a great penalty record with Rovers. Uh, he took 27 penalties for Rovers and scored 24 of them. Yeah. That's including uh, shootouts. Pretty, it's, a, it's a pretty good pretty yeah. good record, already. But he can't match Graham Burke's 100% record at the moment, though. What's that? 2-2. Two 2-2. and, two. Two and two. Um, In his final game for Rovers, McCabe equaled Ronnie Nolan's total of 42 in the club's all-time top 20 league goal scorers. Um... Yeah, in the modern era, meaning from 1985 onwards, uh, only Gary Twig with 81 and Tony Cousins with 46 have scored more league goals for Rovers than Gary McCabe. Yeah, so, I mean, quite rightly, he, he could go down as a Rovers legend. And uh, in the Tally era, this league goals again, uh, it's Gary Twig, 81, Gary McCabe, 42, Ronald Finn, 28, and Brandon Mealy, 22. So Gary McCabe has scored half as many league goals as uh, Gary Twig, and that's that, that's a great stat. So he could go down as a as a Rovers legend, but we'll uh, we'll talk about Gary uh, in a minute. We'll talk a bit more about him in a minute. Uh, this is Bray's 13 consecutive top flight season. Their last trophy was the 1999 FAI Cup. The Wanderers finished in the top half of the table last season for the first time since 2008. Their best ever performance was fourth place. In 2000 and 2001. They might better that this season. Yeah, they're looking good already. They're on fire. Now, since he was appointed full-time Bray manager last June, Harry Kenny has won 17, drawn 5 and lost 5 in the league. It's a good record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Harry actually played in the last game at Milltown. Last ever game. Yeah, a, f- a fan's favourite at Roy Full in a lot of people's all-time 11s. Uh, very fondly thought of by the Rovers, uh, the Rovers support. Uh, it's a pity we don't still have Max Blanchard actually because he always liked to go on Bray didn't he yeah uh, yeah, he scored two out there didn't he yeah uh, Bray's League Cup game at St. Pat's went to extra time and penalty so hopefully some tired legs there did you see the video of that uh, penalty shootout no no 
when uh, Aaron Green stepped up to take his pen off for Bray. There was a fella standing on the comeback, and it was obviously a small crowd, so you could hear him very clearly. <laughs> and he just shouts out, You're shite, Green! <laughs> and then Green scores the pen off, and then there's a pause, a little celebration, and he says, You're still shite, Green! <laughs> All in the um, League of Ireland. Though. I love it. I love it. Um, Gary McCabe in an interview said Leaving Rovers wasn't a step down uh, To look at the league table That's bollocks in my opinion Look I mean He's saying that, that Bray I mean fair enough Gary did well for Rovers and all that But Bray isn't a step down That is bollocks They can't even get 500 at, at their games Let's be honest As as a club in general He thinks that's a step up That's, the, that's delusional stuff to be honest Now football right. in terms maybe at the moment, it is a step up. What's going on in the pitch? But other than that, no, it's nuts. Well, I, I definitely liked Gary McCabe as a player. He yeah, cer- definitely. certainly had his flaws. No arguments there. Uh, six red cards. A lot of people mentioned that. Yeah. But uh, would he have been this motivated if he had stayed at Rovers? I doubt it. Don't so, think so. I think he went stale. The move away is obviously working for him, and good luck to him. Uh, Lee Barnwell put it best on Facebook. I thought he said. Uh, McCabe is like someone dumped from a relationship trying to make their ex jealous by hitting the gym and getting in great shape. <laughs> That's a good one, actually. Yeah, yeah no, that'd be him, all right. And uh, hopefully he doesn't bag a goal against us. If he does, I reckon he'll do the finger to the lip thing, you know, the shh. I think he'll go yeah. with that. I saw him cupping his ear at the, uh, celebrating against Pats. Um, Gary's ma was talking about him in the Rovers chat on Facebook this week until she left for the Bray chat. Is there really such a thing as Bracha? Yeah, I think all three of them, yeah. So altogether, Gary got 59 goals for overs, and I think my favourite had to be the partisan goal. It's probably in my top five favourite goals I've, I've ever seen live. Considering the level we were playing at, the, the significance of the game, that was an extraordinary goal. It was poetry emotion, and it was a pivotal moment as well. It was really needed, so it's... I mean, if that goal doesn't go in, there, there is no comeback in Belgrade yeah, in the no. second leg, you know. People forget that, yeah. It's not talked about at all, really, is it? It's not, it's well, not held up there. I saw, him, I saw him talk about it last year. He said that he never really got credit for it, which isn't true in my opinion. Uh, myself and McDowell, in Tata time, we drew a lot of attention to that goal, I thought. Uh, yeah. It was on RT that night. Quick Lee, shameless plug there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, it was on RT that night. Liam Brady was praised of the heavens, that goal. So it did get credit. Yeah, but no, maybe some funny. people do forget it, I admit that. And he scored his fair share of crackers as well. So, I mean, like I said, I, I did say he was quite delusional that it's a step up, which it is. Uh, well, it's not a step up, it is delusional. But like I said, Gary is, is well thought of by ourselves at Tales from the East End. So, he was playing a deeper role under Fenland. He was able to play it in fairness, but he wasn't happy. So, I, I think Harry Kenny said to him, listen, you're going to be playing in the hole, that number 10 role. He's back there now, yeah. Um, yeah, so wish him luck, you know. He's doing well. I think Trevor Crotty played him there towards the end of the 2013 season. Yeah. Remember that? Just behind Tommy Stewart. Yeah, definitely. And he actually scored a good few goals in that in that spell. But like I said, he's, uh, he'll be sent off at least once for Bray and then he might, his form, like we said, he could be that guy in the gym trying to get big for it to make his missus, <laughs> his ex-missus jealous, you know. Do you remember in 2011 when the whole Rawers team were on that celebrity head chef show? Oh, yeah. Yeah, with Twink on it. Remember that? Twink, yeah. And then uh, McCabe said her chocolate mousse was runny. So she <laughs> went mad at him. <laughs> oh, what'd she call him? She called him a toe rag or something, didn't she? Uh, it was an offensive word. I don't want to repeat it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Bray going full time. Uh, their crowd still aren't great, getting 477 in their last home game against Galway. That's shocking, to be honest. If you factor in season ticket holders, like, what is that? Two or three grand? Yeah, are they, are, I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I really don't know how they're paying away this. Uh, I reckon they're all doing spot the balls and bagpacking at done stores. <laughs> it's it's nuts. And we uh, we praised Limerick for their poster last week. But Bray's poster a month ago, I don't feel as good about it. It was Steven, <laughs> it was Steven Seagal photoshopped onto a seagull. And he was flying with some other seagull buddies above Daily Mount. <laughs> what? What do you even what, say about that? What do you say? How? I reckon someone dreamt it up. He says, hey, I'm going to Photoshop that. That's perfect for a football poster. <laughs> Terrible. 
we uh, we asked Eric Cantona about their mysterious financial situation, and he had this to say: When the seagulls follow the trawler, it's because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. Thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, now what have we got now we have starting 11s and predictions now I'm going to go with uh, like I said this is getting uh, this is getting more difficult every week so I'm going to go forward to back this this week I'm going to go 4-4-1-1 now you may disagree but I'm going to start with Tomer goal I'm going to keep Lukey at full back I'm going to have Webster and Bone centre half Dan Devine may struggle to back into this team with Madden on the right I'm going to have Clark and Bork on either wing now bear with me I'm going to have Finn Lopez in the middle of the park. Brando behind the striker with O'Connor being that striker. But I'm going to go for a Michael O'Neill-esque tactic and have Bork and Brando switching the way he used to switch his wingers with Billy and uh, McCabe sometimes. So we have Brando and Bork switching between the central attacking midfielder and the left winger. And uh, we'll see how we get on there. And my prediction, I haven't even thought about this to be honest. Um... You know me, I think we're always going to win. So I think high scoring game and a 3-2 win for the Hoops in a jam-packed Carlisle ground. No Steven Seagal, hopefully. Uh, again, I really like your team in there. But honestly, you tend to go with teams that you, you like yourself. Or maybe I go more with uh, what I think Bradley will do. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, that's that's my team now. That's that's what I would do. So, It'd be different if I was predicting what Bradley would do now, I'd say. Yeah, I think Trevor Clark is going to Stay where he is for the rest of the season. Granted, Luke Byrne poses the question that we mentioned earlier. Mm. I think Mele is going to stay on the left. Uh, but I do agree with Mikey O'Connor. I think I've picked a different striker up front now, three different games, which is, I don't know what I'm doing. But yeah, I would <laughs> like to see Mike O'Connor up front because uh, he, look, he looked really impressive coming on. Um, so yeah, Lopez, Clark, stay where they are. But Mele is scoring goals where he is. So I leave him there. So that's a four-one, four-one formation. So four-one, four-one. See, the thing is, we're playing one up front, uh, especially when it comes to Bray and like a kind of a tight pitch like this. If if we do start lumping these long balls up forward, and like Sean Boyd has been the victim of this, he's up front in his own. We're lumping long balls. He's flicking it on, and he's trying to he's trying to latch onto his own flick. Like he's he's chasing down his own flick on, which is so frustrating to watch. So that's one thing we can't resort to. If we do. End up going route one. Have someone supporting him. Have someone supporting the striker, running beyond the striker, doing something that has to happen. Unless it's, other than that, it's just futile. So, right, Riley. So you're in the you're in Paddy Power. What's your prediction? What what are you putting your your mortgage on? Uh, I'm gonna say one all draw. One all draw. The mortgage is on the one all draw. Uh, what else? We have a news bulletin in. Do we have some sort of news bulletin noise we can come up with? Yeah, I'll find it later. <laughs> um, the team news is. We have Connolly who is struggling with an injury. Dan Devine is about to be assessed and some very good news in Paul Curry is back in full training. So delighted to hear that. Yeah, hopefully he stays in a run now, stays fit. Some midfield there if we uh, if we can get him back and fit and playing well. The pass master himself. Uh what else we got? We have home to Longford in the League Cup quarterfinals. Very, very handy draw. Not undermining them at all, but we could have got Cork away. Cork Pat's got Cork away. Yeah, that's them out. They're out. Could have even got water for the way. That would have been tough. Yeah, tough game. So definitely, definitely taking these uh, handy handy home draws. It's the perfect draw. I mean, we we've won our last nine against Langford. Yeah, plus four friendlies. If you want yeah. to throw them in there, of course you have. Throw it all in. Now we're going to move on to our competition. I'm really excited about this. We have a signed Rovers jersey by the whole team, and that's for a giveaway for our tenth episode. Double figures. So all you have to do is get the correct score versus Bray, and then. We'll see how many is remaining. You'll go into another draw and we'll set you a challenge. Could be a quiz. Could be anything. You could have to send in a video. We'll decide. And you will win a signed jersey. And hopefully we'll be able to give it away and get the photos done on the pitch at halftime or before a game. But uh, it's a big, big giveaway for our 10th episode. Yeah, it's up on Facebook at the moment. So you've got 24 hours from when that was posted. So you've got until 4pm Friday to get your score in and be with the chance of the jersey. Okay, so underneath the post that we actually put up for the for the giveaway uh, just put up um, 
your prediction and then you should be go for, good to go for that if you don't have facebook you can email us at tales from the east at gmail.com and uh let's see how we get on from there okay guys so remember when you're writing your score just make it a little bit easier for us so if, if you're predicting a win say one nil win two nil win two one win if you're predicting a loss say three one loss one nil loss etc just to make it a little bit handier for us so there's no dispute and uh who goes through to the next draw so uh, remember if you're not in it you can't win it uh, Carl you're going to be very happy with the referee appointment we've just found out oh it can't be yeah not him yeah it is go on tell me who it is now we've just found out we're going through our social media here I suppose that's why you're looking at me it must be Anthony Budimer yeah we've got Budimer so let's hope the medics are on are on hand and uh, he's a he's a shocking ref let's be honest He's a shocking, shocking ref. Since that game against Pats, where he sent off two of our players and gave Pats two penalties, all in one game, I believe he's only refed one Rovers game since that. Thank that God. was that was uh, three and a half years ago. Thank and God. And that was the four-one win over Limerick in twenty fifteen. Well, it's it's a uh, bad news, alright. But um, yeah. So uh, we hope to see everybody out in Bray on Friday night, guys. So. Yeah, so once again, just want to say a quick thanks to Peachtree East, just near Tallah Stadium. This shameless plug is, is going to go over the whole season, by the way, guys. Um, now, a big thank you to them for sponsoring us. It's uh, it's going to get us a kickstart in our merchandise, so keep an eye out for badges. We're going to have a design coming your way soon. Uh, so uh, that's it, folks. See you in the Carl Oil on Friday, and keep on hooping. See ya. Oh, I do like the beat. I do like to be beside the sea. I do like to float along the pump, rump, rump, when the brass band plays fiddle om, om, om. So just let me be beside the sea tide. I'll be beside with Edward Glee. And there's lots of down beside. I should like to be beside, beside the sea. Beside, beside the sea.